your identity is your igniter and the commitment to yourself is your fuel to endure. And if you procrastinate at work, you're delaying your opportunity to make a measurably impactful difference. And according to my friends at CBS News, they found most Americans have some level of personal ambition to get things done. They report most Americans are not procrastinators, or at least how they view themselves. CBS says that 69% of Americans like to think of themselves as people who would like to get things done right away rather than putting things off to a later date. However, that's not to say that we don't have people on the other side of that very aisle. CBS says that just over a quarter 27% of Americans believe or define themselves as procrastinators. My friend Eric Twiggs is the founding partner and president of the What Now movement. His mission is to build high-performing entrepreneurs, authors, other busy professionals, and help them prepare for the unexpected curveballs that life throws at all of us. Twigs is the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. The book was recognized as a global top 10 finalist for, for the 2020 Author Elite Awards in the category of Best Self-Help Book. Twigs also hosts a podcast called The 30-Minute Hour with a mission of to inspire and interview a diverse selection of authors, entrepreneurs, and career professionals who are seeking greatness and twigs join me this week to have a conversation about how to avoid procrastination succeeding at work from both a leadership production and motivational standpoint i'm kevin mcshan let's have this conversation Welcome you to the program, and I'm super excited to talk to you all about how we can all beat procrastination this afternoon. Great to see you, and happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. So, yeah, absolutely. Eric, I know that, that you, sp you spend 
a large part of your day talking about uh, creating blueprints to beat procrastination. So let's dive into how do we create blueprints to do just that, and why do you think procrastination is so prevalent among so many people? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a study uh, with the University of Calgary that concluded that 95% of the population has an issue with procrastination. Now, I believe the other 5%, they just haven't gotten around to completing the survey. It's, <laughs> but it is something that everybody struggles with, right? The, the challenge is the lack of awareness. So the whole point of my book, The Discipline of Now, is to heighten awareness to when you procrastinate. Because you can't start to put together blueprints and plans until you really identify the specific context as to when you procrastinate. For example, like people always say to me, oh, Eric, yeah, I'm such a procrastinator. I always procrastinate. And that's not, I've yet to meet someone that procrastinates all the time. Now, usually it's, you know, I, I procrastinate at home, but at work, I'm on point. Or I, at work, uh, I'll wait till the last minute, but at home, I'm right on task. So really the key is really looking at your patterns and identifying when you procrastinate. And then from there, you can start to put together the blueprint to overcome it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm also curious to ask you about how, how do we motivate people to make sure that uh, procrastination isn't a common thread in their lives? So how do we motivate people to get procrastination out of their lives? Well, the first thing, you, I always say that clarity is the starting point of success. So if I'm working with somebody, I want to really be clear on what it is that they want, right? That's, that's first and foremost. And then I, I go deeper than that, right? I want to know why. why. What's so important about that? Why do you want that? So, for example, it could be, you know, I want to make, I want to have a million dollar business, right? Okay. And then I'll say, okay, why is that important? Well, so that way I can... Uh, pay bills all. Well, why is that important? Why? But as we keep asking why, we find out what the real value is. Is that, you know what? I don't want someone telling me what to do. I want to have my freedom. I, so I really, to motivate somebody, I, I will dig into the, what's the core reason that they want what they want. And then we need to look at, okay, now that we, we're clear on that, your delay, is your delay getting in the way of what you really want? Right? So, so now I think when you're really clear on what you value, you're going to be a whole lot less likely to procrastinate once that's really in front of you all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Eric, I know that you're on a mission to help, help uh, busy professionals uh, prepare for the curveballs in life. And, you know, Eric, I always say that we make time in life for the things that we prioritize. So tell me about helping people People always say, oh, I've got so much to do. Uh, th the problem is never having so much to do. It's really about not knowing what to do next. And what happens is, when, like you said, when you don't have priorities, when those curveballs come and when things get hectic, you don't, want to, you don't know what to do next. 
So I help people to reverse engineer, right? So when I say, so first off, we start off with what is it that you want to accomplish? Uh, you, you can start with the year. What, what do you want to accomplish this year? All right. So then let's break it down. So what's the the monthly goal that's going to get us, or the quarterly goal that's going to get us to the year? And then we can even break it down even further. So, so what do I need to be doing today? What, what are those five things that I can do today? And I have like a little three by five card. I have people carry around with them. What are the five things that I can be doing today to get me to the goal? So now when the curveballs are coming and things are getting busy, you know, okay, I need to do these five specific things. I mean, that's an example of how I help people to prioritize. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before I ask you about your book and the 12 principles, Eric, I, I'm sure that you know that October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And outside of hosting uh, this podcast, Eric, I work with organizations to help them build a more inclusive culture. And it's a personal uh, passion project of mine as well, because I was born with uh, so we're proposing, my friend. So tell me, how do you think we can create more career diversity for folks with disabilities? And how can diversity act as a competitive advantage for organizations, in your view? Well, I think you have to have the awareness to know that diversity is a competitive advantage. I think a lot of people look at diversity as a way to check a box, right? Okay, I'm compliant. Okay, I'm going I'm to stay out of trouble. I'm not going to get a lawsuit, but it's really, you have to understand that, you know, if you're in an organization and everybody's the same, that's a problem, right? You're missing out. If everybody thinks the same, everybody, you know, looks the same, everybody's got the same background and experiences, you really have to understand that people are bringing different things. I want people in my organization that are different from me, that are bringing, have complementary skills. And, and I think, you have to see diversity as as a competitive edge and not just something that's a compliance exercise. Yeah, absolutely. So, Eric, let's dive into your book, The Discipline of Now, and the uh, 12 uh, practical principles that you put into the book, buddy. What do people need to know about the book, and what was the main message and reason behind writing it, my friend? So, so the, the big message is just to heighten your awareness as far as, you know, when you're procrastinating and, you know, it's not like you, so the, the benefit of this book is that no matter where you are, like you could be someone who is uh, an early bird that gets up at 4, 4.30 in the morning, you know, or you could be somebody that's more of a night owl, right, that, that likes to sleep in. You, you can find things in the book, no matter what personality type or perspective you're coming from. Um, so the, the, in the book I have, it, it's divided into three parts. You have the cost of procrastination. I talk about that, you know, what causes us and then the ultimately what's the cure and then the cure is a five-step plan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, I know that the target audience is career professionals, but when you, uh, look at the workplace today, why do you think uh, people are, you know, uh, motivated to sort of make their own uh, schedule or be productive on 
on our own time. So how do we get people back rowing in the same direction and, and excited to come to work in your view? Well, yeah, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. Clarity is the starting point of success. So a lot of people aren't clear on where they want to go. So even in like a work environment, I think they're waiting for someone. Sometimes people are waiting for someone to call on them as opposed to really going in with a mission of saying, here is my end goal and really being clear on what it is that I want. And so a lot of people are just unclear and they're not happy. Here's something. I'm going to say that's controversial. I think it's a good thing to hate your job. And the reason I say that is because if you hate your job, you hate where you are, you'll be motivated to make changes. You'll be motivated to get a better position with maybe with a different company or maybe with within that same organization. It, with pro the problem is most people are mildly dissatisfied, right? And there's, there's a saying, there's a quote by Malcolm X where he says, that which you do not hate you'll eventually tolerate. So you have a lot of people just tolerating situations and they're not motivated. It's paying the bills. It's okay. It's within their comfort zone. They don't like it really. 10 years ago by, you'll be in that same spot. So, so I think you have to be clear. And I think if you hate where you are, that's a sign that it's time to move in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Eric, what sort of uh, a personal responsibility did you think leaders or bosses have to take in motivating their staff. You know, as we uh, come out of the pandemic, people have uh, become comfortable with the way uh, things were from a work perspective from their home base. So what do you think leaders need to do to motivate their staff to be as productive as they can be? Well, I, I think you have to take ownership for your 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 leadership style. And so a lot of times yeah, I, I talk to leaders, CEOs, and they say things like, oh, you know, these millennials and Gen Z people, they don't want to work and they're just lazy and blah, 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 blah. No, the, the workplace has changed. People have options. People aren't going to put up with a bad boss like they would years ago. You know, people were more likely to put up with a bad boss. But now, I mean, they can go sit at home and, and work. They can, there's a lot of different things that people can do. So as a leader, you have to create an engaging workplace. You have to find different ways to push buttons. You have to t plug into what, what are their goals. It's not just about what's the organization's goal. It's what what is that individual's goal? And can we help them to get there as well? So you really have to take ownership of your leadership style. Uh, and we're even see we're seeing it in sports, right? That a lot of the coaches, like you look at college sports that were kind of they've been around a long time and they kind of had that my way or the highway approach. They're not having success because now there's something called the transfer portal where they can just people can just if they're not happy, they can just transfer and go somewhere else. They don't have to put up with that. So you really have to so you have the 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 college coaches and the sports coaches that are having success in today's climate, they're more engaging. They understand how to deal with different personality types, and they, they take the time to get to know their people. Yeah, it's important uh, to build relationships, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. More, now more than ever. And yeah, just building on that, how do you think we build 
uh, effective relationships on a sustainable basis? And how do you how do you think it's interconnected to accountability as well? Yeah, I mean, I I think you know people they trust you. That that's really the key. Like if if they feel like you have their back, you you, you build trust. You know, and, and it and if someone trusts you, it's it's easier to have that accountability if you're coming from a place of, of trust. I I can have that hard conversation if deep down you know that I care and I and I'm working to help you to to succeed. And, and so that's why I think you just as a leader you have to be you have to pay attention to what's going on in that person's world, you know, and really and and be able to empathize. And so if all so one day if someone's like if somebody's just not performing, you know, you can't assume they're just trying to slack and get off work. It could be they've got something going on in their life. There, there could be something that's impacting them. And if you can connect with them, they, they'll tell you. And you can maybe recommend resources to help them with that. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's just different. Um, you, you, you have to be able to connect um, with people today at a different level than, than in years past. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Eric, I'm going to uh, tell you a quick story about myself. So I was told at the age of nine, Eric, that I wouldn't um, be able to walk without assistance uh, for the duration of my life because of the, of the severity of my uh, cerebral palsy. And I know that you've led organizations from all uh, shapes and sizes across corporate America. So what do you think? How do we? How can we redefine workplace acceptance of all viewpoints in order to grow companies? I'm fascinated to get your answer there. Um. Well, some of the companies that get it right, they actually make that a part of like the review. They do. They do performance reviews. So that's a that's something that the leader is is evaluated on, as far as you know, they have to provide examples. I know years ago I worked for a company that was really big on diversity, and you literally had to be able to provide examples as far as what you did to accept the viewpoints that were different, or bring on people to the team that brought a different dynamic. Um, so I, I think you really have—it's it's something you have to really track, and, and you have to really hold people accountable to the point where they can speak to exactly what they're doing. I can tell you, again, most people are just checking the box. Mm -hmm. Most people are just trying to stay out of trouble, but they really don't understand how accepting these different viewpoints and really being inclusive, it helps your organization because now you're getting uh, inputs from different places. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have a believer of you, you can either set the example or you can wait for the example uh, to be set for you to follow. And I'm curious to ask you about the importance of self-reflection as a leader and how uh, important it is that leaders be open to accepting feedback. Oh, it's huge. Because that, that, that's how you get better. You know, I, I, I think, you know, people have this picture of leaders as being this, you know, oh, overconfident person that's going to charge the hill. But I, I think that the effective leaders have this mix of they're confident, 
right? Because they be- you have to believe that you can do it and that you have the capabilities to overcome challenges, but they have a humility as well to, to, to understand that, you know what? There's some things that I don't know. I don't know everything, right? And I could be, I could possibly be wrong, <laughs> you know, with, with this with this situation. So the leader does need to be able to reflect and, and also be open to feedback uh, that that's contrary to, you know, what they think. Um, and, they under, and recognize that they have blind spots. So, so I think that's that's huge. That the most successful leaders are able to reflect. They're able to be open to inputs and feedback to improve. Yeah, and Eric, when we talk about respect in the workplace, how big of a factor do you think respect or showing respect to others is to increase both morale and Yeah, I mean, if your employees don't feel like you respect them, they're not going to stay. You know, it's that's just the way it is. I mean, people again, it's it's just a different, it's a different environment. And if if people feel disrespected, no, I mean that's just a that's a recipe for disaster. They're going to look, they're going to go elsewhere. No, no one's going to tolerate an environment. I would advise. You know, in any relationship, <laughs> I have a daughter, she's 13, and I have a son who's 10. I would advise them, if they're in any type of relationship, work or not, and they're not being respected, they need to seriously look at leaving that relationship um, or not getting too serious in that relationship. I mean, that, that respect, the respect thing is critical. Yeah, and you know, what else is critical is the ability to listen, because you know, Eric, you know, there's a poster in my office that says, no matter how many degrees you have or how many years of, uh, of schooling that you have, you can always learn something from uh, somebody else. So I'm curious, how much of a value do you place on listening in today's workforce and in societies at large? It's huge. I mean, most people. Most people can probably count on one hand, maybe half of one hand, the the people that they have in their life who are actually listening to them. Because most people are just waiting for their turn to talk. If you have a conversation, they're not really, they're they're just waiting for their turn to talk. And while you're talking, they're thinking about what their response is going to be. But you don't really have, it's a small, it's a, listening to me is an undervalued skill. And I think the even like if you look at the most successful salespeople, you think it's because they're just so, again, outgoing. But a lot of times they're able to listen and they're able to help the person on the other side to feel heard and match up the solution with. So, so no, I think listen, listening is an undervalued skill, but it's critical for success. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Eric, uh, I also wanted to ask you about uh creating good habits in life and and at work and creating consistency. What do you think the key is to accomplishing those two things? Well, I I think you you need to look at, again, what what your goals are, and and then you need to understand that it's all about routines that are going to ultimately set you free. So if you have a health goal, you know, what's the routine? That's going to because you the whole, the whole point of habits is 
to really, that's one less thing you have to think about, right? It's just, you know, the, the habits that you, most of the things that we do are just on autopilot, whether it's good or bad. So you want to create, I, I like, I, I like to, to have certain habits that are just like brushing my teeth. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, I don't have to write down on my to-do list, brush your teeth, right? <laughs> that's just a habit. That's just something that's just automatic. Uh, and hopefully the audience is the same way, right? You don't have to think about brushing your teeth, but you can you can get your habits like you know going to the gym, uh, or drinking water, or meditating. You know those are, those can become things that can help you if if you can get those to the point where you don't have to think about it. It's just as natural as brushing your teeth because you you want to really have the right behaviors to become habits. And I would say too on on habits. It's best to start small and, and do things that are sustainable. Like if you're saying, you know what, I want to, I want to start running. If you're trying to say that you're going to run six miles a day, isn't sustainable, especially if you're not someone that's used to, to running. So maybe it's, I'm going to run for five minutes and, and then build up. So that's the other thing with habits is start with something that's small. If you want to start flossing, you know, you, maybe you floss one tooth, right? I can do that. I'm going to floss one tooth and then over time you build up to the habit. So, so those are just my thoughts on habits, but no, when you build the right habits and identify the right habits, it just makes your life easier because those are things you don't have to think about. You're just going to do it. Yeah. And you know, Eric, one of the primary reasons I wanted to start this podcast was I wanted a, a platform that, that people could listen to to have open open and honest conversations about, you know, moving the needle of progress forward from a societal perspective. Because, you know, you know, turn on the news today and they tell us that we're so so divided that we can't get anything done. But I refuse to believe that we're that divided that we can't have conversations that move the needle of progress forward anymore. So tell me, what do you think is the key Again, I think you can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress, right? Because a lot of a lot of times, what keeps people from making progress is they feel like they have to have everything figured out before they move forward. I have to have it all. Like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. Oh well, well, I don't know what microphone. I, I don't know what platform I'm going to use. I, uh, so, what happens in that case is the easiest thing to do is nothing, right? And so instead, okay, what's the next thing I can do? I want to start a podcast. I want to make progress on start on doing my podcast. What's the next thing I can do? Well, I can call someone who has a successful podcast, right? And then they may give me an idea. I take that. So I think if you want to make progress, you have to think about, okay, what is the next step that I can take that's going to move me forward? And sometimes you have to be able to move forward when you have imperfect information. And then, like, for example, in the military, they, they, it's one of the things they train you. They'll tell you that in most cases, you're only going to have 70% of what you need to know. So you have to really be able to take action. That's the best case scenario. So they train you in the military. You have to be able to take action when you have imperfect information. That's If you want to make progress, that's what you have to do. You have to take action. You don't have it all figured out. But you can take that next step, even if it's a small step. Hopefully, I, I hope that answers your question. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, just for going into my last question, I wanted to ask you about expectations. And setting expectations uh, when you want to uh, connect with people, because, you know, it's my philosophy in life, Eric, that you have to set your own sort of foundational individual level of expectations of, of yourself before you can rise to the, to the level of anyone else's expectations. So talk to me about authentically connecting with people and how it's connected to uh, giving the desired expectations out of them as well. Well, I, I think you have, again, it goes back to listening, mm-hmm. right? I, I think you can't go into it like, okay, I'm going to get this this desired result. Right? I think if you, like, for example, you want to connect with people and you're going to a networking event, you know, you can't go in thinking, oh, I got to sell 10 books. How, well, you know, I have to get this person on my mailing list. Uh, I think you really have to genuinely listen to them. And so one of the things for me, like, I will connect with, like, let's say if I meet you at a networking event and I find out that you've got a podcast and I know somebody who would be a good guest for you, I would connect you with that person. Mm-hmm. I would say, hey, you know, I met this great guy and yeah, he's got this excellent podcast. You'd be excellent. So, so that's how I how I think. Um, and, and I think that's that gets better results because then over time. They may buy your book. They may join your list. But one of the things that just irritates me, <laughs> you've probably seen this, where you know you meet somebody at a networking event. Next thing you know, you're on their email list, and you're getting all these emails from them, and you never, you never have to get the emails. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like <laughs> they just wanted to connect with you, so you can get on. They can, you can uh, be on their list, and they can sell you things. But I think it has to be. If you look at it, okay, how can I help this person, or how can I? If you go in, if you go into it with the mindset of a connector, then I think you'll you won't have any problems, you know, dealing connecting with people. That you're going to connect that person to resources that can help them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Eric, my final question has to do with the value of perseverance and how you view your legacy, my friend, because. You know, I believe that, uh, you know, life is a standard deck of playing cards. And we all have to sort of stack the deck of cards or shuffle them in the direction that we want to go, you know. Uh, For me, uh, resilience is the answer to the test of adversity. So I'm curious, how do you view perseverance? And how do you want that to apply to your personal and professional legacy? I mean, if you're in business, the perseverance is everything. Because I mean, if you took most, like, like even Amazon, for example, the first five years it was in business, it didn't make any, didn't make a profit, right? Most business, a lot of the business ventures, the first five years don't make money. And if you're starting a podcast, you know, it's going to take a while. And, and the, it, a lot of times it's a, it's a war of attrition. Because most people give up when it's not, you know, when they don't see instant results. When they start a podcast and they're not Joe Rogan overnight with millions of listeners, you know. So, so a lot of people give up. And so I, I think that's a separator if you can persist, if you can persevere. And a lot of the battle is won by not quitting. And so, so here's the thing. Like for me, 
one of the things is I don't want to I don't want to have regrets. I, I'm always I have a relationship with my my 80 year old self, right? I I project myself to being like an 80 year old, and, and I don't ever want to be 80 years old looking back saying, "Man, what if I had just hung in there?" You know, what if because you know you know how it goes when you quit. That's when the break comes, but you miss out because you aren't there to take advantage of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you never know how close you are. And a lot of times when things get difficult, that's really when you're close to that transformation. And the our instinct is when things get difficult to, oh, I'm going to stop. This isn't for me. This obviously I'm not cut out for this. So, I, so just to make a long story short here, I mean, persistence, perseverance is critical and you don't want to have regrets. And you really want to, from a legacy standpoint, to really be able to say, you know, I I ran my leg of the race as fast as I possibly could, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any regrets. I did everything I could with the opportunity that I had in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, just thought of me if people want to get connected with you or buy your book, what's the best way they can do that, my friend? Yeah, they can go to my website, Eric, E-R-I-C-M, Twiggs, T-W-I-G-G-S dot com. They can pick up a copy of the book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Um, it's in paperbacks on ebook, and it's also an audio book as well. And when you're on my site, you can see there's a link to my podcast, The 30-Minute Hour. You want to hear more from me, and we interview great guests and talk about things like what we're talking about today. You can go to my podcast at 30 Minute Hour. Fantastic. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for uh, uh, the good work that you do to move the needle of progress forward, both in work and in our personal lives as well, my friend. Your work in the space of personal development and growth is most appreciated. And I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me on this Friday. It's most appreciated. Hey, thank you for having me on a on your platform. It's been a pleasure.